On this episode of the BYO Nano Podcast, we're talking about collaboration and branding, and we have an expert who can help your small brewery make the most out of its marketing. And then we're headed to upstate New York and talking about limited hours, IPA, and creating demand for beer. This is John Hall, and welcome to episode 26. February is always an odd month. The newness of a new year has faded, but around most of the country, it's cold and winter feels endless. It can be hard to get the motivation to get done what needs to get done. In those moments, I think it's good to take on new projects or to tackle the ones that have sat on a to-do list for so long. To help with that motivation, I'm going to be talking with Ryan Wheaton at Craft Brew Creative about collaborations inside and outside of beer, focusing on your marketing plan and ways to shake things up. And after that, our Brewer's Profile heads to Underground Beer Lab in East Syracuse, New York. Brewer and co-owner Keith Linder will share his pandemic story, the brewery's strategy for limited hours, and big, bold IPAs, and also finding retail partners. All of that's coming up in a moment. But first, a word of thanks to the show's sponsors, and we hope you'll give them a closer look. Hey, Nano Brewers. Fermentus, the obvious choice for beverage fermentation, is now offering dry ale and lager yeasts in flexible 100-gram pouches. To learn more about how Fermentus can improve the quality of your fermentation and for the latest on their exciting new product releases, visit Fermentus.com. Also, make your next clean and delicious beer with the help of Five Stars Homebrew Club program at fivestarchemicals.com. Like most of you listening, Five Star loves a good drink. That's why Five Star makes life easier for industry workers and homebrewers. Sign up for Five Stars Homebrew Club for free seminars featuring big names in the industry, exclusive product tasting, and 20% off your next order. Raise a glass at fivestarchemicals.com and click the Homebrew Club banner to join the community. And whether you're looking for a brewing system to create trial recipes or you want to easily add production capacity to your nanobrewery, the Grainfather G70 electric brewing system is your solution. The G70 has a 70 liter capacity, allowing you to easily make half barrel batches of beer in a compact system that won't take up valuable floor space. Ask your BSG sales manager for more information about the G70 today or go to grainfather.com to learn more. Also, Get access to hundreds of hours of on-demand videos covering small craft brewery strategies with BYO's new Nano Plus membership. Learn from craft beer experts, watching replays of past NanoCon seminars, plus a complete library of in-depth workshops. You'll also have full online access to all of BYO's digital content and an annual print magazine subscription. Check out byo.com slash nanoplus for more details. Ryan Wheaton is constantly thinking about ways to help breweries grow and achieve their dreams and goals. This conversation covers a number of different topics, including what he calls Hitch Your Wagon, collaborating with other industries, brands, and even celebrities to increase your reach and brand. And from there, we talk about perceived quality and expectations to help connect with customers. And we know that being a small brewery means wearing a lot of hats, but we're going to talk about the pros and cons of using an in-house designer versus hiring a professional to help your brand stand out. He spoke to me from his home office in Washington State. There's a lot of talk in and around the beer and even in the beverage space of collaboration. 
And usually what that means is a brewery is going to get together with another brewery. They're going to uh, have a couple of beers. They're going to make a beer and then one or both will put out a beer and they'll be excited about it. And maybe it'll get some folks excited and stopping by the tap room to see what two great brewing companies can do together uh, as one. Um, but you seem to be of the mindset and I think it's a, it's the right one of if you wanted to collaborate and you want to grow your business, you should be looking outside of the beer industry or the, or at least the industry that you're in. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I think there's been a lot of discussion. I think this, I think this discussion happens, you know, every year where people are asking if the craft beer industry is going to plateau, you know, and I think we've seen some kind of dips a little bit uh, with, um, <clears throat> people uh drinkers going towards spirits or low calorie drinks and seltzers and those kind of things so i think um you know i think in order to keep growing the craft beer industry and your business i think it's a benefit to reach out to other uh brands and organizations or celebrities um to to do collaborations outside of the beer industry um for for a number of reasons yeah is it just beer collaborations or are there other opportunities do you see? Well, um, I mean, so I've seen breweries, you know, they do, do collaborations. Uh, I mean, I'll use like coffee or chocolate or something like that. Right. Uh, as an example. Um, and you, you, if you look, I guess, outside of beer, you can see uh, restaurants or things like that, that could use your beer as an ingredient in their product. Um, you know, like mustards, it's pretty common to see like kind of like a beer be used in like a mustard or something like that, or like a barbecue yeah. sauce or, uh, so in regards to getting outside of beer, I think there are opportunities like in that regard to where maybe your beer could be used as an ingredient in someone else's products. But, okay. um, yeah, I mean, I think generally speaking, um, you know, if you make beer, then that's probably, you know, doing a collaboration would be a, a most common outcome of that. So as far as some collaborations that you've seen, you know, that the, those type of uh, products aside, um, as far as collaborations that you've seen that's worked, what, mm-hmm. what comes to mind? Yeah. So I'm going to have a little bit of a shameless plug here. Um, as I mentioned, I host a, a podcast called Branding Brews. And I did an episode specifically on this. It's called Co-Branding. Um, really basic title for that one. But uh, it was with Jordan Hoffart, which is a professional skater, skateboarder, and he owns Black Plague, Black Plague Brewing. And he did a collaboration with Tony Hawk, which uh, I think is a pretty common name, uh, even if you're not a skater. But uh, Tony Hawk, very well-known, very famous skater. Yep. And uh, they did a collaboration uh, called Tony Hops IPA. Okay. And uh, yeah, so that one basically Jordan Hoffart, since he's a professional skater, kind of, uh, you know, is using that as kind of a brand, kind of a brand backbone for his brewery. Uh, And Tony Hawk obviously has a very large reach. And through that collaboration, um, you know, they were able to kind of reach a larger audience in in that way. Um, And one other one that I I discussed in that interview uh, was with uh, Fish Scales who is a uh, founding member of the hip hop group, Nappy Roots. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're kind of interesting in that he was a huge craft beer fan and he was a brewer, like a home brewer, but 
Nappy Roots and Fish Scales, they did collaboration uh, as a musician or as a hip hop group. They did collaboration with breweries uh, and they found some unique, fun ways to bring their audience into breweries. And uh, and so that was a, a really good collaboration and way of doing it. And we, we can discuss that as well. Yeah. What are some of the fun ways that they found to to get people in? Yeah, absolutely. So um, so they they did um, they did brew day parties which was, I think, a pretty cool idea. Uh, and again, this helps because they obviously, they're kind of like celebrities and they have a draw. But what they would do is uh, the day that they were going to brew the beer, uh, they would have like a party and they would invite people to the brewery. Um, you know, obviously, I, I don't think most of these customers were coming in and being a part of the brewing process, but uh, they had an opportunity to visit the brewery and hang out with Nappy Roots Um and uh, so I thought that was a really kind of cool and fun way to like bring people into the brewery. Um, so, you know, if you're doing this for like a collaboration with like a coffee company or like a chocolate company or, or something along those lines, you know, you can probably find other ways, you know, maybe like uh, you can do chocolate pairings with like beers, or if it's like a coffee company, you can do coffee pairings. So you can create a unique event around this collaboration it doesn't have to be just the release of the beer that you try to start promoting this. You can start doing this, you know, at the brew day or something along those lines. Uh, and another thing that they really did uh, as a musician for them, that what they would do is they would work to have the collaboration beer be uh, the only beverage or at least the featured beer that would be sold at their shows. So that was a pretty awesome way to like, you know, if, you can imagine that a lot of people are going to attend a, a concert and if that's the featured beer, yeah, then they're going to push, you know, they're going to sell a lot of, a lot of beer. Um, and I think that, um, yeah. And you know, they would, they would promote the brewery and uh, the beer they made at the show. So that was another way that they started promoting the breweries as well. There's so much that, I mean, there's so many untapped audiences um, that small breweries haven't touched uh, yet. But it strikes me in those two examples um, that who they chose to partner with or, you know, the, the, the outside um, of, of, of you know, the beer space, the breweries that they chose to work with as well, um, there was a synergy that existed there. There was um, common interests, common likes. As breweries start to think about, okay, well, I want to do a collaboration with X or, you know, with some kind of industry, how important is authenticity mm. to these relationships? Yeah, that's a good, that's a very good point, really. Um, yeah, I mean, when it comes to branding, I think authenticity is like of utmost importance. Uh, I think, you know, if you're uh, I think people can start seeing through this kind of stuff, you know? Um, and so I, I think like, I would just highly suggest that you go with something that you're into, you know, that's going to align with who you are and uh, would align with your branding. Um, so I, I think that's of, of, of utmost importance just because it's going to, you know, it's going to reinforce your brand if you, if you align with those kind of similar similar things. Yeah. Um, that sort of brings up an, an, another thing about, you know, branding and marketing of how much, like when people are thinking about 
either starting their own small brewery or revamping their own small brewery's image. Mm-hmm. Where do you typically have that conversation with folks? Like, where does that conversation start with getting bits of personality, bits of company ethos, bits mm-hmm. of, you know, something that, 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 you know, the founders are also wrapped up in as well. Like you want something that looks cool and looks striking, <laughs> but there, but there's gotta be, or maybe there doesn't have to be, but does it help if there are pieces of a company's or, or people's personalities yeah. in their marketing material? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I think like, you know, the beer industry has got, you know, has, has seen some incredible growth and, and I don't remember the exact statistic now, but I think it's like something like 90% of people live within like five miles of a brewery or something along those lines. Right. So I think, yeah. So I think any brewery nowadays, but a little while ago, it's like you could open up a brewery and it's like, you are almost guaranteed people are to come through the door, you know? Uh, And to some degree, I think that still is the case, but, um, but now you've got, you know, you might have four or five breweries in your area that, you know, you're going to have to try to draw people to your brewery. And, um, you know, so you could, you could have a successful brewery just by having a cool looking logo or cool looking labels. Um, but in such a saturated market, um, I mean, this really goes for any branding in general, having something there, uh, in a common business term would be like a unique selling point, mm-hmm. um, would be, uh, very, very important. And what that's going to do is it's going to, it's just, it's going to give something for your customers to connect with and resonate with. Um, one, one brewery I use fairly often, and we're talking about this kind of topic, uh, I think it's true brewing in Denver and they're kind of like a heavy metal themed brewery. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, it's they've like, been around for a while. Yeah. 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 And it's, you know, and they're popular. I've never been there. I mean, I've heard of them, you know, and so like, I think a lot of people have heard of them. I went in and, a couple of years ago and as somebody yeah. who regularly wears uh, blazers and bow ties, yeah. <laughs> um, I was not the demographic, but I also did not feel uncomfortable in there. I wasn't made to feel unwelcome. Yeah. I'll point that out. But yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So having that unique, um, having something unique there that you can lean into. Uh, and this is a great point you just made is that you're not going to be turning away other customers you know, unless you're just a complete a-hole to them or something, right? But who's going to want to do that to any customer? Um, So having that focus and that unique unique selling point or that unique thing about your brand, it's going to give you something to use to talk to customers about. uh, And it's going to give you, um, you know, like I mentioned, something for people to kind of click click with and and kind of belong to. Uh, Another one, I I did an interview with um, some uh, comic illustrators who, and it's, it was, it was interesting to hear the growth of craft beer in the comics kind of industry and at the comic conferences and stuff, there's, there's like craft beer gardens now at these comic conferences. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's like, people will strongly connect with that. So if you try to market to everybody and I can't tell you how many breweries I've worked with and talked to that, like when you ask them, you know, who do you want to drink your beer? And they're like, well, we want everybody to drink our beer, you know, like, and it's like, yes, that's true, but if it really makes it hard to to talk to somebody and market to somebody, uh, if you're trying to talk to everybody, but if you have like a unique selling point, if you have like a unique thing about your brand, it really uh, it gives you a way to talk to people. It gives you somebody to talk to, and this and this goes to 
not just physically talking to somebody in person, but uh, social media and your website, um, your labels, like how you kind of like talk about your, your beer and your brand. Yeah. And, and all of that needs to be aligned, right? I, mm-hmm. it's, I know in some cases, um, you know, you have people who are in house doing some one thing or, um, owners wear a lot of different hats and don't always have time to, uh, you know, focus on things in a, in a, in a big picture way that, that can then be scaled down into a, um, a, a micro, uh, vision way, but, um, thinking that out in advance or, uh, even just stopping and thinking if you're already going and saying, okay, you know, what's working, what's not, and how do we want to be perceived? I mean, those changes and, and sort of that, uh, homing in on, um, on your marketing and messaging, you can start to see results pretty quickly. I imagine. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, consistency is a huge, you know, part of having a good brand and, uh, I think it's easy and I, I feel like I see this a lot where uh, breweries, you know, they might have one of their employees that knows how to use Photoshop or something like that. And, yeah. and they, you know, they use them for a couple labels, but they also have like an agency that they, that they use for, you know, a couple labels and, you know, uh, maybe one of their cousins is a designer in college and they use them for a couple labels and really you can end up with like this big disconnect, you know? Yeah. It's a hodgepodge. Um, yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally a hodgepodge. And, and so I think like you mentioned, uh, I think, uh, it, I know, you know, I run a small business myself and it's like, I know how it is to try to like, you will, you have to wear multiple hats, you know? Uh, and you're kind of bootstrapped. You, you may only have a certain number of employees or, or a certain budget or something like that. Um, but uh, I think really having that consistency is is huge. Totally. Yeah. Um, if somebody is now rethinking their strategy, mm-hmm. um, what's a good first question that they can ask? you know, ask themselves and then yeah. try to find and, and, and action it out from there. Yeah. I, I always like to point to your why, you know, like, why did you start brewing beer? Like, why did you open a brewery? Um, and there's a really good uh, TED talk um, that has like millions and millions of views by a gentleman named uh, Simon Sinek. And mm-hmm. he's, he's really well known in the kind of like entrepreneur and business yeah. kind of industry. He spoke at the craft brewers conference for a keynote a couple of years oh, ago. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So, I mean, man, yeah. Or was so, supposed to, he might've, oh, might've been okay. a COVID thing. I can't remember at this point, sure. but he was on the list. Cool. That's rad. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you know, and again, with all of the breweries that I've worked with, um, it could be really challenging. And, and even for me personally, to, to be like, you know, creating a unique brand. Um, and if, you know, sometimes it's natural, like, you know, we'll go back to the idea of like comics. Um, you know, there's a brewery in Portland, Portland, Oregon, that is like a comic themed and they have different illustrators and different artists do their labels and stuff like that. And it's not gigantic. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so, I mean, like, if you have something like that, it's like a natural thing, uh, that you and your co-founders are, you know, are, are into, then that's a natural thing to be drawn towards and, and use that. Um, but for a lot of other people, it's a, you know, a common story. I'm sure you've heard a lot. They're like, well, you know, I, uh, I was a, uh, you know, I was a marketing consultant or I was like a, you know, I had a nine to five at like a regular nine, you know, business. And I was, uh, wore like a, 
button up shirt and tie and but uh, i was a home brewer on the side and you know me and my buddies got together and made a brewery you know and that's um and i think that's awesome um you know but then i think just asking yourself the question why like why did i start a brewery like why did i start getting into into beer and 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 brewing beer um and you can just start kind of writing these things down and, and just kind of start seeing like what it was that brought you to it and um that could be a good way to pull out some ideas uh to use as kind of like backbones to your story and your brand in tandem with that though there's also the idea of you might have great beer inside of your packaging but if your current branding doesn't reflect that or is so disjointed from your brand or just doesn't tell people anything um Mm -hmm. branding can hurt you too absolutely yeah um yeah i mean there's there's like an idea again so there's the consistency right um and there's kind of this idea of perceived quality and so through that like if a customer doesn't know your brewery and uh they're just purchasing your beer off of a shelf at like a retail store or something um if you have a really crummy label but you have awesome beer then there's going to be a disconnect right um and so that's going to hurt your beer because they might they might think less of your beer they might be like well i mean this is a pretty good beer but like the the artwork sucks and it's like these people aren't taking themselves seriously you know like that's kind of what the message that delivers um and i mean you could go the other way too you could you can have amazing branding and if your beer is just so-so then there's going to be a disconnect in, in that way as well um and so when you have good branding and good design work good labels and stuff like that and you have good beer then you're going to kind of hit that golden zone where you're making that connection where a customer picks it up they're they like your label they like the story you've told on your label uh they drink it they like it and then boom they made that connection uh and that just is going to build your brand uh in a, in a much better way and it's going to build stronger connections with your customers um and another point on that is if you have good branding uh and good beer of course uh, is it's going to make it easier for you to sell more beer when you come out with future releases because customers um, are going to start trusting you and they're going to know you have good beer and uh, say you come out with a new beer and they're at their store shopping and they've experienced your brand and they like your brand. If they see a new beer of coming out with your label on it, they're going to be like, yeah, you know what? I trust them and they've got good beer. Um, let's go with that. You know, And so it's going to make it easier to come out with future releases because people are going to be uh, connected with your brand and they're going to trust your brand. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think that, you know, we drink with our eyes in so many ways, you know, how, how beer appears in, it, in, in, in the glass, but, you know, also the, 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 the packaging um, in, in front of us. Um, as far as having, you know, sort of a uniformed look, you know, I know a lot of the larger breweries, like you can tell from, from a distance, um, you know, what it is. The labels may be different, but there is sort of a uniformed look to it. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something that smaller brewers should be thinking about as well? Because I, I see lineups from breweries, you know, where I get six different cans and all of them look different. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's a, th- a few things to think about there. I, I would say in regards to branding in general, having, again, some consistency uh, is going to go a long way for you. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I was doing some research for a seminar I did for the Craft Brewers Conference, and I, I put out a tweet just kind of asking people about labels and this kind of topic in general. Uh, and someone chimed in that worked at a uh, bottle shop, and they said, uh, you know, kind of maybe surprisingly, that the uh, hazy IPA section was selling less than some of the other sections. And that was, I think, in part to do of the chaos on the shelf, right? I mean, every can is just so crazy, completely different Yeah, uh, that it made it hard. And at least some of them in the artwork's amazing. And there's a really cool, you know, kind of uh, evolution of how artwork has come to the beer labels. And, um, but, uh, you know, in some beers, like don't even have like the style of the beer or the name of the beer on the front of the label. It's just like cool art. And uh, for, for someone that could be intimidating, if you don't know, you know, the brewery, if you don't know the style of beer or anything like that, uh, it could be challenging for a customer to, to pull that apart and really make a decision. Um, so consistency can really help in that, in that standpoint. Um, and then there's also, uh, you know, a perspective in that, uh, if you create some consistency, it's going to make it easier, easier for you to release new beers. Mm-hmm. Um, I always, when I develop uh, branding for for breweries, uh, beers, I always think of it as a system. You know, like uh, where's the name gonna go? Uh, where's the style gonna go? Like, how are those applied? How are colors applied to each label? And if you can create a system, it makes it easier to come out with a new beer because you kind of already have those elements in place. Um, that's not to say that you can have custom artwork because that's hugely important. But just make sure you know that that artwork can be integrated into your label system uh, in a way that's beneficial. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I guess the last point on that is that, uh, you know, depending on what designer or artist you're working with, um, the more, the more like artistic or crazy you go, uh, that can sometimes cost more, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, if you have a more, uh, a system to where it's consistent, and maybe you're just changing the colors and the, the name of the beer and the style. It can look super professional and look awesome. If you look at some of like the, the major kind of breweries, they have that consistent look and they just change the colors. And uh, that can and that can be a lot easier because you're not going to have to hire a custom illustrator uh, and those kind of things like that. Uh, you can just, you just have a really good consistent look and you just, just know what colors you're going to be using. And, and then that kind of can be a, a huge part in that. And so that can save you money. Yeah. So as we start to wrap up here, if you were going to assign homework to all of the nano brewers who are listening out there uh, <laughs> and thinking about their, their, uh, what they should be thinking about with marketing, um, what's the, what's the one question you, you'd want to give them for, for a homework assignment? Mm. Ooh, well, I guess, yeah, that's, that's a big one. Narrowing that down to one question. Well, I mean, I guess just in general, um, I would highly suggest that you kind of build yourself. And I think this is kind of a, an untapped thing that people don't necessarily always do is to build yourself a little group of people um, that are maybe they're not employees, that maybe not be family and friends or something uh, that you can use to kind of give you feedback on your branding. Um so kind of almost like a focus group, but you don't need to go out and hire like a, an agency to do this for you. You can do it yourself. Um, sometimes I've, I've found a, a great way that some breweries do this is with their uh, their beer clubs, mm-hmm. you know, 
Um, so you have a, you already have an audience that's uh, that's into your brand that that frequents your brewery you know, often, and um, so yeah, I mean, just you can use them to get feedback on your branding, um, but just I think if to step back and take a holistic look, you know, gather all your sales sheets and all of your you know your tap handles and your labels and um, you know even maybe your social media posts or your your website and just take a holistic look at it and see if it all jives together. Um, you can go back and, and look at that question of why and like what's your unique selling point and look at all the stuff you've put out publicly that you're using for marketing and for branding and see if it represents that why or represents that unique selling point. Um, and then just look at the consistency because like we've mentioned that you know that consistency is key. So uh, get all your stuff together and and to where you can look at it and and review it and be like, does this tell the message we want? Does it consistent? Does it have good branding? Uh, and then from that point, you can kind of just start taking some notes, you know, like on where there's, there's disconnect, where there's not consistency, where could you possibly do better? Um, yeah. And then in that, you could also tap this kind of like little focus group you make of, of people that are willing to give you input. Uh, and then you can use that to kind of start building on, on where you might want to go next and, and improve. Next month on the show, we're going to have a panel of experts here to answer any and all questions you have about nano brewing. From your business to beers to getting started or meaningful growth, what's on your mind? Email us and your letter might be read and answered on the show. That email is nano at byo.com. And thanks to this episode's sponsors. Hey, nano brewers. Fermentus, the obvious choice for beverage fermentation, is now offering dry ale and lager yeasts in flexible 100-gram pouches. To learn more about how Fermentus can improve the quality of your fermentation and for the latest on their exciting new product releases, visit Fermentus.com. Make your next clean and delicious beer with the help of Five Stars Homebrew Club program at FiveStarChemicals.com. Like most of you listening, Five Star loves a good drink. That's why Five Star makes life easier for industry workers and home brewers. Sign up for Five Star's Homebrew Club for free seminars featuring big names in the industry, exclusive product tasting, and 20% off your next order. Raise a glass at fivestarchemicals.com and click on the Homebrew Club banner to join the community. And whether you're looking for a brewing system to create trial recipes or you want to easily add production capacity to your nano brewery, the Grainfather G70 electric brewing system is your solution. The G70 has a 70 liter capacity, allowing you to easily make half barrel batches of beer in a compact system that won't take up valuable floor space. Ask your BSG sales manager for more information about the G70 today or go to grainfather.com to learn more. And BYO has several live online workshops coming up of interest to small-scale craft brewers. On April 8th, don't miss Brewery Taproom Draft Systems. And on June 17th, learn about brewery financials. Both live online workshops are four hours long, and you'll have the opportunity to ask experts your questions live. You can find out more at byo.com slash bootcamps. And now it's time for our nano brewing profile. Upstate New York has a lot of well-known breweries on the larger side, iconic names like Genesee and Utica, and there are craft breweries that are moving the needle of consumer consciousness. 
So I reached out to some of those breweries and asked who was doing cool things in the nano space. The answer came back quickly, Underground Beer Lab in East Syracuse. It was first conceived by three friends in 2017, and it opened last year to the public. With limited hours, a focus on IPAs, and a plan to engage with customers through cans, the brewery doesn't really have a draft or tap room per se. Out of the three owners, Keith Linder is the brewer and the only full-time employee. He talks about how he wants the brewery to be a constant experimentation and continual improvement in the pursuit of something special. He spoke to me from the brewery in New York, and I started off by asking him about the biggest challenge the brewery is facing today. I'd say probably the, the biggest challenges are, are not necessarily related to the pandemic, but more with just running, operating a, a very small brewery, basically a nano production brewery, essentially, um, because we don't really run a tap room. Um, so the challenges associated just with doing that, I'm a first time small business owner. Um, I've been brewing for, for six or seven years locally, um, but first time owning the business. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily put the challenges, um, put them squarely on the pandemic. And part of the reason is because we always sort of envisioned a small tap room with lots of cans out the door. Mm -hmm. And so as we move towards opening in a pandemic, we just sort of doubled down on the cans out the door part, but it wasn't a major departure from what we wanted our model to be. So the model was kind of as pandemic ready as you could maybe <laughs> be if there's such a thing. Um, you know, and we've, we are going to move towards a more taproom model as we look towards expanding. Um, but, um, but that part of it has been okay. I'd say. Does, does that mean adding taps? Yeah, I think it'll be, it'll be a, a more, um, it'll be an actual tap room. Um, and we're looking at, at increasing our, our production scale as well. And we've made, through the last 10 whatever months, we've made sort of small incremental um, upgrades to our capacity and we're continuing to do them as we, you know, sort of roll into warmer weather this year. We want to be prepared to make more than what we can now. Um, with that, with, with your size, though, you've been focusing largely on beers that you can make ferment and then turn around quick yes and no um one the we're probably about 80 percent ipa and are really focusing on on getting ipas out the door every week in a more uh regular schedule this year than than 2021 so we're we're an ipa heavy brewery um, and those are generally moving through the tanks pretty quick. Was that always yeah, your plan? We knew we were going to be IPA heavy. I think we're okay. a little more IPA heavy than what I expected. Um, but we knew that, that that was going to be a lot of what we did. Um, we also, I mean, we've, we've done, basically we've 
I think we've done one stout and then everything else has been a pale hobby beer. So that's sort of our, our niche. And we do a lot of Pilsners, Saisons, and that's our take on those is sort of a, a pretty much always dry hopped version. So pale so and a, hoppy. A, a modern take. Yeah. Um, and that's partly because we're very small. We don't have very much capacity. We can't beat some bigger breweries at lager, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like we don't have the, the tank space and time and, and capacity to, to make a perfectly, uh, technically perfect um, German pills. That's exactly the style. I, I think I could do it, but it would tie up our capacity so much that <laughs> I wouldn't be able to do it a second time. You know, my partners would be yelling at me, but so we, we focus on something that we're strong at, which is, which is making them dry hopping them in new and interesting ways, really, um, to try and sort of give a, give a more unique take on those styles. I'm always curious when brewers say trying to put a unique take on things or new and interesting, can you unpack that a little bit and what, yeah, what you I mean, mean by new and interesting? Yeah. Um, you know, is there anything new under the sun? I don't know. Well, that, um, yeah. Probably, I mean, that's why, that's why I'm at, I'm not calling, I'm not calling BS on you. I'm just. Yeah. So like one of them, we do a dry hop Pilsner and I've really tried to combine um, sort of new school dry hopping, lots of American varieties, the things that you would expect, um, a couple New Zealand uh, hops thrown in the mix, that type of thing, but combining it with like decoction mashing. So like very traditional uh, kind of, we don't have, like it's a very labor intensive process um, and just sort of seeing what comes out when you do those two things together. Um, so that we have a lot of our beers are sort of organized as series. So um, that particular one, it rotates all the time, but in terms of what the hops are in particular and the malts to a degree. Um, but the idea is to sort of combine traditional process in some way with sort of a new school approach to, to dry hopping. So just one example, um, Saison, I think we're trying to do a similar thing. Um, not really going the route of a lot of American Saisons, which are getting acidity uh, involved. Um, much more like what happens when you start using the DuPont strains with um, like new experimental hops coming out of Yakima, things like that. What, what, what have you found as you've been doing that? Because that sounds super interesting to me. It has been super interesting. Um, I think, <laughs> yeah, what have I found? Um, it's been, some of the things have been a little surprising, like um, in the Saison realm, I've found you need, you can't just go like all Citra with the Saison strain. <laughs> you're going to, you're going to push the, you're going to push the fruity ester profile so far that it just sort of all gets into the banana territory, <laughs> you know? Really? Okay. Like, 
you, you need something to balance it out, like a more traditional hop that would be found in a in a saison, like a Saz or something like that. I mean, that's I guess that's more of a that's more of a German Pils hop, but um, or Czech. Um, but you need something that sort of anchors it in that traditional um, that traditional style before you can start pushing it, because otherwise you're just going to get to Belgian IPA, right? Um, you know, or cold IPA if you're dry hopping your lager or something like that. Um, so giving it some sort of traditional aspect to ground it, I think, has been the biggest thing. When it comes to the brewery, you have, at least right now, limited hours, two days a week, a couple of hours each day. Um, and with the goal of moving what's just been freshly canned. So if somebody's showing up every week or every two weeks or whenever you're open, chances are they are getting something, something different. Um, what's a measure of success for how quickly the beer moves? You know, if you open up on Friday, is it success if everything is done a couple of minutes before you close on Saturday? <laughs> that's happened a couple of times. And I will admit that's a pretty satisfying feeling. Like when your last customer on Saturday buys the last couple of four packs left in the brewery. Yeah. That feels pretty great. Uh, it doesn't really feel great to sell all of the beer on Friday and then have people show up on Saturday and have to tell them that they can't get what, what they wanted. Yeah. That, kind of stinks and it, you know and that's happened sometimes and that's not really that's not particularly fun um so we've tried to kind of scale our production so that if we release it um if we release it on a friday you're gonna be able to get it saturday um and hopefully you'll be able to get it the following friday um, and it doesn't go too much beyond that for us. And I think for some of our beers, we could try to squeeze a little bit more out of our tanks because we do have, we have a small system, but our tanks are, are, are larger. So we can fit two and three bat batches into the tank. Mm -hmm. We're not, we're not triple batching at every opportunity just because I find if something's out the first week, it sells really well. The second week, it sells pretty well. The third week, people have already moved on to something else. And we've, we've continued to put new beer out too. So the sales rate sort of plummets week to week. Um, and we don't want stuff sitting around. So, so I suppose it's success if people are getting what they came here for um, on any given week. And then if they can't make the brewery this year, we're, we're trying to be much more regular with distribution at a, at a couple places around town. Um, so if you can't get to us, then you, if you can get to one of those places, we're going to be dropping fresh beer every week. Um, have you found that in the last 10 months or so that the clientele that your customers have started to dictate what you're making? Like, are, are, do you see that, you know, there are some, some beers that have stuck around for that third week, like you mentioned? Um, and those get slowly phased out or you don't come back to them as quickly because of the beer that moves, uh, 
you know, within the first day or two? Um, I'd say yes. I think our customer base has pushed us more towards IPA um, than we originally envisioned. Um, you know, we knew we were going to make a lot of it. Um, and, we, you know, I'm not, I'm not complaining about that either. Um, you know, IPAs pay the bills for lots of breweries, sure, but, you know, we wouldn't be focused on it um, if we didn't enjoy it yeah. as, as brewers in particular, um, you know, they're challenging beers to make. And I like that. Um, but I think we are making, we're making more of them uh, more often and less uh, Pilsner Saison. Um, we did a sour IPA uh, fairly early on and that kind of fell flat, which I was surprised at. Um, and we don't really get asked very much for sours. Um, and I expected to make a bunch of those, but we really haven't. Um, we've, from the start, we, we, put, um, we put some Brett beers out and those have been really well received, but not, not exactly flying out of the cooler. Sure. Um, so that has slowed down a little bit. And, and that actually, to get back to your early question about mm -hmm quick beers and, you know, our focus on quick turn beers. We've had a tank that has had Brett beer in it since from since before we opened. Uh, it's never been opened up and cleaned um, kind of dreading that day, but it's just <laughs> been, uh, you know, take a little out, put a little in. Um, so we, we like, and we have a fooder that has exclusively been used for Pilsner actually. Cause I figured at the start we had one chance to put clean beer through it yeah, and it went, went over so well that it still has Pilsner in it. Um, and same deal there, taking some out, putting some back in. Um, so that sort of the average age is, is maturing as it goes. That's cool. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, we are, we're an IPA brewery. So is it the, the normal Citra Mosaic? blends the sort of you know I, I i hesitate to even say hype anymore because it's it's so ubiquitous but um is it the you know the popular you know the quote-unquote cool kid varietals that that moves fast or you know if you're going to be like hey check it out we got cascade um <laughs> is that gonna is that just gonna sit there or is that only gonna excite you know the old guys like me well, you know, I resisted doing a beer with Citra that contained both Citra and Mosaic for a long, long time. How long uh, is a long time? Six days? Uh, seven days? No, into the okay. fall. So okay. what was that? 10, 11 months or right. six, seven months. Yeah. October, November. My God. So, and that was, that was, we did a collaboration with Prison City. They're, they're, uh, pretty well known. They're sort of, they've been around here for a little while. They're, yeah, they're, they're in great, Auburn. great people. Yeah. yeah in Auburn. Um, and they've got this beer that some people may have heard of called mass riot, um, which is a citrus Simcoe mosaic beer. Um, and so we did a collaboration with them and sort of the idea behind it was we're going to blend some elements of mass riot with some elements of how we make IPA here. And so that one had Citra Mosaic Simcoe in it. 
Um, and that was the first pairing of Citra and Mosaic uh, that we had done um, and, and the only. So I try not to rely on the obvious. Um, we do a lot of rotating stuff and and it's a it's a trade-off from a production and a marketing perspective. There are trade-offs. One of them is, you know, we're contracted for a certain amount of hops, and that's important to us because we make a lot of IPA. And yeah. And so we we have to sort of choose our core varieties um, in order to contract, you know, the volume that we need. Sure. Um, but you know, I try to try to keep it keep it fresh keep it different um yeah and avoid citra mosaic unless prison city tells you, you have okay to do that. <laughs> if prison city tells you then you, you gotta listen then you yeah then you can go ahead for it um do, do you find so when people come uh obviously you know it's nice if they're if they're coming into uh, to your location to get the beer direct, but as you've branched out into distribution a little bit more, um, what have those conversations been like with those retailers where you are basically coming out with something new you know, every week? Um, and you know, that, that can be a, I don't know. What are those conversations like? I guess I, I don't want to lead you with a question yeah i think <clears throat> i think it's still too early to tell honestly um we we just started this year with the sort of uh, we're, we're we have three accounts that we're sort of calling our release partners so they're they're getting all of it every saturday um and then we've got you know a handful of other accounts that that we like and they like us and and we get them beer when we when we can and when they want it. So with the with the release partners, that is it's something. I mean, it's sort of unique, um, at least in our area. That sort of you know get every release and can Friday deliver Saturday. They're all craft beer centric outlets, so they're used to dealing with a lot of different varieties from a lot of breweries. I think it's just for them, it's they more often would get like eight different beers from brewery A or B. Mm -hmm. um, and then they would get that delivery once a month or something like that, you know? So the smaller number, the more frequent, um, the more frequent delivery of a smaller amount of beer is something that's new. And I think we're kind of exploring it together to see how well that's gonna work. Um, so it's sort of, I'd say it's still in the trial phase. I think these three retailers in particular, they're, they're excited about it because we, we didn't distribute we our dis distribution in 2021 was pretty sporadic, um, because of our size and our capacity and the fact that we have no employees, yeah. um, you know, and packaging is a lot of work. And so it's hard to get in the car and drive all over town every week. So, um, so I think there's some, we, we didn't quite meet demand in the retail space in 2021. Um, and so we're, we're making a more concerted effort. So now in the trial phase, there's a lot of excitement, you know, because um, our beer is available regularly now. And we'll see how it goes over the course of 
you know, this year, ask me in six months, 12 months, and I'll probably have some interesting things to say about it. But for now, uh, I, I'm pretty excited about it. I think they are too. Have you found guess, that? Oh, sorry, go ahead. Just, just to add one technical thing. Uh, one of the three was, was really wanted us to get um, barcodes. So, um, which is interesting. So I've been looking into it since then at the way that different breweries do it and stuff. And I was very surprised that even some, some of the larger regional breweries like other half um, have barcodes on some of their stuff, but, but not all of it. And some of the, some out of state breweries that you would think uh, would have them don't. Um, Hmm. So I was surprised at that, but I think a lot of these, these craft beer centric retailers are used to dealing with that kind of logistical challenge on their end. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, the one who, who wanted it basically said, I'll participate, but make it easy on me. <laughs> you know, if it's rotating through every week, we have to stock it. So give me barcodes one per price point. Um, and so that might be a, a detail that some people out there would find interesting. Yeah. It's, I mean, all, all three of them complained about breweries using barcodes for multiple price points as that being like the most, the worst thing to deal with for them. Uh, so one price point, one barcode, and we're in business. That's, uh, that, as you were saying before, <laughs> that's one of those things about being a small business owner that you probably didn't have to think about earlier, but now it's right, showing I, up on your plate. You know, I, I knew someday we'd, we'd have to traverse barcodes, but I didn't expect it so, so soon. As so with some of those retail accounts, uh, and I don't want to stay on this for too much longer, but have you found that people who discovered you on a shelf now come to your releases on Friday or Saturday? We have found that. Um, We've seen a lot of that, actually, Um, partly because, you know, we rely a lot on word of mouth, social media we're, we're new, you know, obviously the market is saturated just about everywhere. Um, so getting the word out, um, you know, sitting on shelves at some, some of the better places here, um, or sitting in coolers, which that's one thing that's nice about being small is that we can, we can exercise a little bit of leverage, (laughs) which is tiny. It's, it's hard in a, in a crowded market when you're tiny to have any kind of leverage in the retail space. But um, the fact that we don't have a ton of volume to get around means that we can pick and choose and make sure people keep it cold out there. Otherwise, you know, we don't have to, we don't have to work with them, but, um, but so yeah, to get back to your original question, we've actually, we've, we've seen a ton of it. Um, One interesting thing that was just sort of a luck of having the right relationship at the right time um we had cans in our local minor league uh baseball park last year wow how'd you how'd you wrangle that um the person there's like a a craft corner um there uh which is like a cooler full of craft beer uh on the first base side um and the person who ran it last year um, just, 
I happen to know her and she actually sells hops for one of the, the larger New York hop, uh, New York hop growers. Um, she has been in the back of <laughs> probably most breweries in the state. Uh, so she knows, she knows a lot of brewers, um, including us. And we're like, we're maybe five minutes from the stadium. So um, having that connection got us in the door and the beer, the beer did well there. Um, so she kept us in there all summer and even was an advocate for us at the, at the ballpark. So we got a lot of people <laughs> mid late summer coming in saying, Hey, I saw you at the ballpark and I had to find out who the heck these guys are. That's awesome. Um, when you're small, the creating a relationship with customers through social media. Um, I mean, any size, it's going to be important, but especially if you're small where it can be easy for people to kind of forget you. Um, and I'm speaking in generalities, but, um, what have you found has worked for you in the last 10 months as far as online engagement and what hasn't worked? That's a, that's a tough question. And I, I don't know that I really know the answer. And a lot of it sort of, and this is actually one of the bigger challenges of the business um, to go back to, to the very start um, of our chat. It's one thing that, that I didn't anticipate doing so much of um, was the, the social media part. I think our biggest strength has just been having um, really having a designers that we can count on. Um, one of one of our partners, his wife is a designer and she did the original logo and some of the some of the original can design, can label designs. Um, and then we work with another another designer to to do a lot of the, the grunt work. Um, and also, I mean, he's given us some, some fantastic original ideas, lots and lots of them. So having that sort of that design, those designers there um, has been huge in creating our visual presence. Um, and, you know, the, the one, the um, Annie Taylor uh, is her name. She, who did the original logo, she's the color person. So like if it was just the three of us um, making all the choices about design, it'd all be shades of gray, you know? <laughs> so the, as I look down at my outfit today, it's all shades of gray. So, um, so like having that, having those, that resource to draw on, it's been huge just in creating a more, you know, visually appealing look. Um, and I've tried to, to really keep it as simple as possible and as, as streamlined as possible, really for my benefit and being able to do it. Um, you know, I've tried to rely more on design images um, than photographs, um, simply because I don't have the technical expertise to take great photographs, which is something that, that I'll be working on in 2022. But sure, uh, you know, but you gotta, you gotta lean heavily on your strengths. But a lot of it is, you know, you put stuff out there and, and, you know, you don't really know who is this reaching how, and, you know, there are 
numbers you can look at, which I have, and it's sort of tough to tell one one way from another. And do clicks translate into sales? You know, absolutely not. So, you know, with social media, I'm not sure. But one thing I do know is that when we when we put two IPAs out in a week, we have a good week. So, you know, and and keep them changing and 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 keep reinventing them, which is a challenge. Don't mess uh, with success, but keep tinkering with the, with the <laughs> exactly. process. It's exactly. <laughs> well, I'll tell everybody that if they're finding themselves in the East Syracuse, New York area, um, it's undergroundbeerlab.com to, to check out more. But Keith, thanks for being on the show this month. I, I appreciate the insight and you taking the time. Yeah, John, thanks for having me on. It was fun. Next month on the show, we're going to have a panel of experts here to answer any and all questions you have about nano brewing from your business to beers, getting started or meaningful growth. What's on your mind? You can email us and your letter might be read and answered on the show. That email is nano at BYO.com. And I'm going to invite you to head over to BYO.com slash nano podcast, subscribe to the newsletter, the magazine, and to catch up with great pro brewing content. New episodes of this show are released on the 15th of every month. Subscribe now and never miss a show when it's released. And you can also do us a favor by leaving feedback on your podcast platform of choice or by emailing nano at BYO.com or checking in with us on all of the BYO social media channels. Next month on the show, we're going to have a panel of experts here to answer any and all questions you have about nano brewing. From your business to beers to getting started or meaningful growth, what's on your mind? Email us and your letter might be read and answered on the show. That email is nano at byo.com. And thanks to this episode's sponsors. Hey, nano brewers. Fermentus, the obvious choice for beverage fermentation, is now offering dry ale and lager yeasts in flexible 100-gram pouches. To learn more about how Fermentus can improve the quality of your fermentation and for the latest on their exciting new product releases, visit Fermentus.com. Make your next clean and delicious beer with the help of Five Stars Homebrew Club program at FiveStarChemicals.com. Like most of you listening, Five Star loves a good drink. That's why Five Star makes life easier for industry workers and home brewers. Sign up for Five Star's Homebrew Club for free seminars featuring big names in the industry, exclusive product tasting, and 20% off your next order. Raise a glass at fivestarchemicals.com and click on the Homebrew Club banner to join the community. And whether you're looking for a brewing system to create trial recipes or you want to easily add production capacity to your nano brewery, the Grainfather G70 electric brewing system is your solution. The G70 has a 70 liter capacity, allowing you to easily make half barrel batches of beer in a compact system that won't take up valuable floor space. Ask your BSG sales manager for more information about the G70 today or go to grainfather.com to learn more. And BYO has several live online workshops coming up of interest to small-scale craft brewers. On April 8th, don't miss Brewery Taproom Draft Systems. And on June 17th, learn about brewery financials. Both live online workshops are four hours long, and you'll have the opportunity to ask experts your questions live. You can find out more at byo.com slash bootcamps. I'm John Hall, and you can still find me weekly behind the microphone on the Drink Beer, Think Beer podcast, as well as Steal This Beer. You can find those where podcasts are found, and I hope you'll tune in. 
Our theme music was created by Scott McCampbell, and we thank him for that. And once again, be sure to check out BYO.com slash nanopodcast for all of your nano brewing needs. And for now, we wish you all the best for a small but successful brew day. <laughs>